If a father knows his identity, his family will reach its destiny. Discover how to become the man, the father, and the leader that God has called and destined you to be. The Fathers of St. Joseph is an apostolate that works for the restoration, redemption, and revitalization of authentic fatherhood, whose aim is to assist each father to become who God has called them to be. Like St. Joseph, a father on earth, like the Father in heaven. To rediscover and recover the glory, power, and necessity of the vocation of fatherhood, access key resources at fathersofstjoseph.org. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Let's invoke our patron. Let's invoke St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, terror of demons. St. Joseph, glory of home life. St. Joseph, pillar of families. St. Joseph, guardian of virgins. St. Joseph, exemplar of all fathers. Mary Joseph, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let Jesus be conceived in every one of us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. I got some good news. Death is imminent. How do you like that? Start off 6.30 in the morning, huh? Death is imminent. We are going to die. But it's the truth, isn't it? We're going to die, and we rarely think about it. Even God died. God the Son came to this earth, and even He had to pass through the jaws and the gates of death. We will too. But think about it. If God came to you today and said, you have one year left, what would you do with that one year? What changes would you make? How would you rearrange your life? What would be prioritized? If you had six months, what would you change to live out those six months in a way that would make a difference, three months. We need to ask ourselves this question because what happens is all the things like the mortgage payment and bills and debt and all the little ancillary problems of life seem to just kind of fade away and what really matters comes to the surface and the real goals come to the surface. And we got to ask ourselves, what is the real goal of life? Obviously, it's to get to heaven, to enter into the beatific vision of the Lord, but what is our goal? Our goal while we're here on earth is to have God's glory living in us, abiding in us, so it lives in us and so we can give it, and so we can give it and transmit it to our family. That's what's going on. That's the goal of life. And everything else fades when we start to think about in terms of the imminent death, okay? So, but what is God's glory? You know, we talked about this, I think, last time. Is it his immensity? Is it his power? Is it his greatness, his infinite character? Well, all that's true, but we're, all, we're always comparing to our own humanity. We're human. He is divine. You know, we're mortal. He is infinite, you know? But when God was by himself before we even existed, what was his glory? What is his glory? His glory is that he's eternal, self-giving love, total self-giving love. And God wants to share that glory with us. So our glory then is to give ourselves away. Our glory is to share his glory with others. And so God desires that this glory be shared through us and and through our families. And that glory, that self-giving love takes place primarily in the family. So the human family was created to be an icon of God's glory, to be an icon of the Trinity, to be able to transmit the glory of God to this fallen world. And God has given us the task 
to ensure that this takes place. We are the ones as men, as fathers, as husbands who stand in the breach between Satan and our family. So it's every man's task, as we talked about last week, to assume his theological position in the cosmos, the theological position that Adam did not assume, but Joseph did. And by means of that, Joseph's family became an icon of the Trinity and transmitted the love of the Trinity to this fallen world. So it's no exaggeration to say that salvation history depends on each and every one of us. Each and every man assuming his theological location, his theological position in the cosmos, to be an initiator, a generator of self-giving love. This is our call. This is our duty. So though it's essential to understand our theological location, where we are in the, in the plan of salvation, it's also imperative to comprehend how we are to live out and live from and live within this theological location. Think about it, like a person who has an occupation, the success of his occupation depends on how he fulfills his duties. Or like a player on a team, an athlete on a team, everything is in relationship to how he holds his position. Think about a center, a football center. His job is to hike the ball and to defend the quarterback. If he isn't fulfilling his position, what happens? The quarterback is sacked. If we are not fulfilling our position, that theological position is kustos, is defender of the family, our wives, our children, they get sacked by the evil one. And so we have to live out our theological location is important, but we have to live this out in our vocation, location to vocation. So our vocation is the manner by which we live out our theological location. And that's here in uh, diagram one or one six here. So here we are. This is our theological location. And these are our four pillars which constitute our spirituality as fathers. And this is how we relate to the child and to the woman. And these four pillars of our spirituality as fathers of St. Joseph are one, A, we've got to embrace silence. Two, we've got to embrace the woman. Three, we've got to embrace the child. And four, we've got to embrace our charitable authority, the authority to lead. These are our four pillars. These are what constitutes our spirituality as men, as fathers, as the fathers of St. Joseph. Now, a little qualifier here. We've talked about a lot of this before. And I'm not being repetitive because I think you're stupid. I, I'm, I'm actually, what I want to do is I want to talk about this first pillar, embracing silence within the framework of our spirituality. Because if we drill down, if we carve away and we go deep with this and we really ask ourselves the questions, whether or not we're doing this and start to apply it with our life, we'll start to have an integrated daily approach and become the kustos that we're called to be. So if we're to be effective ministers of salvation, if we're going to transmit grace to our families, if we're going to protect our children from the malignant enemy and the forces of evil there in this world, and they're tremendous. I mean, the suicide rates among teens are at an all-time high. Even in my own neighborhood, it's occurring. It's everywhere. If we're going to protect our children, if we're going to be transmitters of God's grace, if we're going to be manifestations of God's glory to our family in order that they can inject themselves into this world and start to convert this world, what we've got to do, we've got to enter the silence and we've got to embrace its three characters. And the three basic characters are silence within itself, within ourselves, silence before men, and silence before God. These are the three characteristics of silence. So if we desire for God's glory to speak profoundly in our lives, we've got to paradoxically embrace silence. So Adam, he was silent, right? But he neglected to protect. This isn't the type of silence we're talking about. That's kind of like a, a pusillanimous, weak, faint-hearted silence. And, and that's the kind of silence that we do not want to have. The kind of silence that we want is where we take back, in a sense, control of our dominion. 
where we, we take back control of ourselves in order to lay down our lives for our family. St. Joseph, he lived out a manly silence. He had a, in his silence, he embraced his silence and that inaugurated his call to greatness. It was in the silence that he discerned God's mission and his vision for his life. And St. Joseph, the success to his vocation was dependent upon his relationship with the Father. And the success of our vocation is dependent on our relationship to the Father. And our relationship to the Father is dependent upon whether or not we enter the silence. Everything hinges on this first pillar of entering the silence. So many men, many men believe that they know the will of God. They know what they're doing. They know God's plan for them, right? But yet without the divine compass, without that still small voice working in our lives, we quickly become lost. We quickly become blind leaders, leading blind followers into error. And so God wants to shift us. He wants to speak to us, and he wants us to enter the silence. So the first aspect of silence is silence within ourselves. This kind of man who seeks silence within himself, he starts to, he starts to cast out the worldly voices and the worldly activities. And he starts to actually apply himself to an interior life, interior life that actually listens to God. Remember I said before that our interior life gives our exterior life form, right? You can't give God unless you have God. And in order to obey God and to hear his call for greatness, his call to greatness for our lives, we've got to listen to him, okay? So the human father becomes silent before God by cultivating a rich prayer life, which is marked by periodic times of silence throughout the day. At least a couple. Padre Pio said that the mark of a man who wants to be a saint is he's got two meditation times. It doesn't matter if they're five minutes, they're 15 minutes, or they're an hour, but as long as he has those two meditation times, he's on his road to sainthood. So how do we make the theological practical here? Ways that determine if we're in a position to receive the divine directive, divine counsel, divine guidance, ask yourself these questions. One, how often during my day do I apply myself to just being still, not moving, and being in silence with God? Two, to what voices am I consistently listening to? Talk shows, radio shows, or maybe the God show? Are you listening to God? Blog sites, internet? Three, when I'm by myself and I'm in silence, do I try to fill up the silence with the radio, with the TV, with the internet, with the cell phone? And four, do I follow the gospel of the world? Am I more attentive to the gospel of CNN or the gospel of John? and I'm making time to actually listen to God more than I am to the news. Answers to these questions actually determine if we're ready to become valiant, heroic men of honor, if we're really willing to transmit grace to our families, because it's all dependent upon this. So what we need to do is we need to turn off the TV. We need to turn off the radio. We need to actually be still and let God be God. But this demands great faith in trusting God. It demands great faith and trust in God that God will show up, that God will speak, that God will infuse himself into our souls. But here's the deal. If we play Martha all the time and if we're busying ourselves, we're going to think that we're doing the right thing. We're going to be thinking we're falling through with all God's plans. But really, in the end, we're not really able to transmit much to our family and to the people around us because we don't have that deep abiding presence of God living within us. So the success of our vocation is entering, is key, is to entering silence within ourselves and finding the God within us, finding God speaking deep within our hearts. The second aspect of silence is silence before men. So silence before men means that we choose to be known by God 
rather than be noticed by men. And this is a tough one. If Satan can't lure us, if he can't lure us into deliberate sin, he'll often try to get us to choose something good rather than that which is greatest. He'll try to get us to seek to be honored and gloried by men rather than to honor and glorify the God of men. And so he wants, he wants to lure us in this temptation to seek disordered affirmation from human beings. All of us struggle with insecurities. All of us struggle with, you know, a lack of confidence in certain areas, right? But all of this, really, all these insecurities stem from a lack of confidence that God is our Father, that God has created us for a specific purpose, purpose, that He has a plan for our lives, that He has chosen us, that He desires us, that He loves us. But when we begin to disbelieve that or distrust that, then we begin to seek affirmation not from God, but from men in disordered ways, right? This is especially prevalent in fathers, especially when we're not getting the affirmation, the lauds and the accolades at home, you know, especially when we think that we're making little impact on the world around us. We begin to think our life is futile, but God knows who we are. God knows our secret sacrifices. God knows what we're capable of. And with him, all things are possible, even in this silence before men. So herein lies the battle. We've got to trust that the Father sees us and not give in to the temptation to try to be noticed by men, praised and extolled by men. Remember, I think I've shared with you this phrase from a Hispanic confessor. He said to me one time, he said, we Hispanics have a phrase, don't become a street lamp in order for your house to go dark. And another, another priest said, he said, you'll become a saint by means of your vocation, not around it, not outside of it. And St. Francis of Sales has this great quote. He said, blessed is a servant who esteems himself no better when he is praised and exalted by people than when he is considered worthless, simple, and despicable. And this is the key. For what man is before God, that he is, and nothing more. I love that. What he is before God, that he is, and nothing more. So how do we make the theological practical here with our silence before men? How do we overcome this temptation to want to be honored, glorified? This is a hard one, but first, ask God for the desire to be little, silent, and hidden. Little, silent, and hidden. It's like giving yourself a massage with a cheese grater, isn't it, when you hear that, you know? I mean, little, silent, hidden. I mean, have you guys ever prayed the litany of humility? You guys remember this? That others may be noticed and I unnoticed. That others may uh, you know, be chosen and I set aside. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I ought. I mean, man, it's just like, it's a cheese grater. It, it's so difficult. But this is the key to greatness, is that if we can actually desire to be little, right? Little, silent, hidden. God can work with that. God, he, he humbles the exalted, but he exalts the humble, right? And so what we need to do is desire this. And it's not up to us to make ourselves little, silent, and hidden. God will do that part. It's up to us to desire it, and the desire is enough. So we need to beg God to be little, silent, and hidden. God, give me the desire to be little, silent, and hidden. Two, when working in the public sphere, we need to ask God to discern our motives or help us discern our motives. Are we doing this to glorify ourselves or are we doing this to glorify God? That's the fundamental question in everything. In this moment, am I doing this to glorify myself or am I doing this to glorify God? It all has to be for the glorification of God. And if we truly are glorifying God, God will glorify us. It's just his plan. Three, we need to determine if this activity, this endeavor, this aspiration conflicts with our vocation of raising saints. Is it taking time away from my family, from my children, as a grandfather, as a father, 
Is it taking time from my wife? Is it diluting down my vocation to create saints or help transmit the grace to help my family be saints? Think about this. Joseph was a most hidden father. Yet today, he is the most well-known father of all time, right? And Jesus says, what is hidden will one day be revealed, good or bad, but we're focusing on the good here. What is hidden will one day be revealed. All your good hidden works, all those secret works, will one day be revealed in the eschaton. And God, by us glorifying him, we will be glorified. It's just part of the divine plan. The third characteristic of silence, silence before God. And this is characterized by a man who imitates the Father, who, as Jesus says, is in secret. And as Ecclesiastes says, his works are hidden, glorious, and secret. Okay, so God moves in secret, breathes in secret, lives in secret, and is in secret. God does everything in secret. He doesn't blow a horn before he does anything. He just does it, right? That's our God. That's our Father. And we're created to be fathers in his image. And so this is like a divine attribute, the secrecy we need to have for ourselves in our own fatherhood. So secrecy just means this, that we offer up all of our penances, all of our sacrifices, those little works of mercy that we do around the family and everything. We do it without complaining on one hand and without boasting on the other. The golden mean is to offer it up secretly. It doesn't mean that nobody sees the works. It just means that we don't talk about it. We don't bring attention to ourselves. So if we do this, God can transform our secret works, that water that we're gathering into those jugs, he can transform those secret works into divine wine, into grace that's transmitted to our family. But it's essential that they be secret, meaning we don't bring tension to ourselves. So how do we make the theological practical? Again, think about this. Whenever we're doing anything, we have to discern whether we're trying to bring attention to ourselves. And, and look at those two those two extremes. When we complain, what are we doing? We're playing the martyr. We're trying to have poor me, get the attention on myself. When we're boasting, we're trying to make ourselves look better in our brother's eyes, right? And so the golden mean is just to be secret about it, okay? And a good way to check this is if in conversations when you're talking to people, if you have a funny way of bringing the conversation back around to that funny word, I, 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 I hate that. I always do that. I, in fact, I just mentioned I just about several times right there, you know? We just have this terrible habit of bringing the conversation back around to us. We want to be in the center of everything. So you can tell next conversation you have or the next couple of conversations you have, if it circles back to I, you know, okay, this is where I need to work. So these are our three, the three characteristics of silence, the first pillar of our spirituality as fathers of St. Joseph. And so I think we all need to be challenged today to really drill down, to carve away, to go deep with this, and make a new resolution, a new resolution to truly embrace the silence, to truly live this out in our lives, to imitate St. Joseph, who really, by his silence, speaks profoundly of the Father's greatness. But, and this is the key, none of us can do this on our own. We need the redemptive grace of Christ that blew that stone off the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. And notice how it happened? In the silence, in the secret, in the darkness of the morning. Jesus didn't call everybody and say, hey, look what I'm about ready to do. He just did it. And you know what? It's the most well-known event of all time. And so that's how we need to live out our lives is in secrecy. So we need to entrust ourselves to Christ through St. Joseph because Christ entrusted himself to St. Joseph. And St. Joseph will obtain for us this grace. Amen? Amen? Amen. So the question I leave with you today is this. Considering the three aspects of silence, 
silence in himself, in ourselves, silence before men, and silence before God. What could be three things that you could work on to embrace the silence? And, you know, maybe we write them down, discuss some ideas. And what tangible actions can we take to set this into place? Father Shatard, in his book, Soul of the Apostolate, he says one of the main things you could do is develop a schedule. Start, get, get a schedule for your day and write down, carve it out, you know, get it on the tablet, you know, when your prayer times are going to be with God and stick to it. So I think that's a really great, great thing to do. But anyway, I leave that question with you for your small group. If a father knows his identity, his family will reach its destiny. Discover how to become the man, the father, and the leader that God has called and destined you to be. The Fathers of St. Joseph is an apostolate that works for the restoration, redemption, and revitalization of authentic fatherhood whose aim is to assist each father to become who God has called them to be, like St. Joseph, a father on earth, like the Father in heaven. To rediscover and recover the glory, power, and necessity of the vocation of fatherhood, access key resources at fathersofstjoseph.org.